I'm waiting for you to call me. I'm waiting for you to call me. And I'm already recording. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wonder when you're gonna call me. Hey. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? I'm good. I was just singing a little song. What were you singing? It was like, I wonder when you're gonna call me. When's he gonna call me? He's gonna call me now. Yeah. <laughs> it was like that. <laughs> it's a really nice song. Let's clap. Oh. In five, four, three, two, one. This is a podcast in which two friends have serious conversations about silly things and silly conversations about serious things. I'm Simon Ellis. And I'm Lee Miller. Welcome to Midlifing. One thing I did want to say, well, this has got nothing to do with the topic, but I did want to say, I think, and I can't remember whether you kept it in the episode or you didn't, but um, Mm -hmm. you said something about being in people's ears. Oh, yeah, I think I didn't. I think I couldn't make it because it sounded so ridiculous. I ended up cutting out the idea that we were in people's ears. But I, I just was reflecting on that over the week and just thinking how amazing that is, because it is true, I would imagine, that mostly... People don't play podcasts out loud. I'm sure there are some, but I don't know anyone who listens to podcasts. Or maybe in cars, but then cars have their own kind of Mm. sense of privacy, maybe. And certainly not over the last year, you know, not so much car action going on. Mm. And so I guess I was, um, yeah, it's a particular kind of intimacy that's created that I... uh, really appreciate i appreciate it when i listen to other people meaning listen i do listen to other podcasts and um and i remember because last week i laughed or i think anyway but i I just there's something about that you know because i guess as a as a choreographer i've you know thought so much and worked so hard towards generating kinds of intimacies you know that where there's a sort of sense and you know in theaters or outside of theaters and i really like that uh it's here Close, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so. Uh, but you also sent um, a link this morning to me. Well, you sent me two. One was the uh, the recipe for Ted Lasso's uh, shortbread, which, of course, I'm going to make. Did you see it's a shortbread brownie combo? That's exactly what I'm going to make. Are you going to make it this weekend? Uh, I don't know if I'm going to make it this weekend because I'm, I'm I might do. I'm going up to work. Um, at the beginning of the week, and I was thinking I might take it with me as gifts for people. Oh, you yeah, little... just to in, ingratiate myself. You, a that, more. Exactly. I mean, how you? How could people not? I mean, I'm sure they'll find other reasons to dislike you. After oh, absolutely! The, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Ted Lasso specials. <laughs> it will be my, you know, the, the sheer venality of my presence. Yes. Me, me, me! I want more. I want to acquire power and all things that I'm really not interested in. Bob and I were having a little fantasy this morning about opening up a small cafe in Lisbon. She said she would train to be the barista and I could be the person who baked the cakes. Do you, do you, and when you say it's a fantasy, because I have that fantasy all of the time. Like, this is not, this is some... Um, Where would your cafe be? Well, it wouldn't be a cafe. Let's start there. I mean, Because okay. I... you have referred before to the idea of, a, of an ice cream shop. Yes, no, it would be, I think it would be more, I think it would involve flour. Flour, okay. flour and butter. 
and sugar. Okay. Mostly flour, water, some salt. <laughs> okay. Some kind of some kind of raising agent. Will there be some heat? Otherwise, this is going to be quite an unpleasant day. <laughs> We're eating paste. Delicious. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but um, yeah. So when you say it's a fantasy, like how much of that fantasy is tinged with? Is there any amount of that fantasy that's got a little bit of, oh, I'd really like to do that? It depends who you're asking. If you're asking me, that fantasy is probably 91% I would do this tomorrow. Yeah, in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, Not that tomorrow's a heartbeat precisely, but yeah. Yeah, it's a, a long, actually. I, I've been doing that. I've been doing the Wim Hof breathing. I am so good at slowing <laughs> a down. A really big gugung. <laughs> that gugung took me into Gah. tomorrow. Gung. <laughs> um, I would do it. Yeah, I would do it quite quickly. Whereas I think Bob oh. is at the nine percent of fantasy. Ninety-one percent never going to happen. Right. Oh right. Yeah. Or ninety? No, I think I did that the wrong around, didn't I? I mean, nine percent reality, ninety-one percent. Yes, but don't don't let maths uh, ruin. Hey, a good I've never story. I've never let maths ruin a good story. Yeah. So yeah, what what about you? How where are you on the scales of towards it being something that you think actually this could happen? I I think about it pragmatically all the time. You know, in quite so when I say pragmatically, what? I mean okay. So I could start. You know, so I I read very strange literature. Uh, Lee, I'm I, when I should be reading Deleuzing and his sidekick. Uh, <laughs> I knew you were going to do that, you tool. <laughs> or Derrida. I um uh, I tend to read things. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but things like uh, understanding uh, small business failure. Okay, right, right, right. So kind of like Forbes magazine light kind of things that not light uh, uh, yes. adjacent adjacent yes uh or not that i've ever read i think i'm sure i've read an article from forbes but not mm. um <laughs> not intentionally not nothing against <laughs> forbes who are, will be a future sponsor of this podcast so like so many people exactly everyone all our sponsors are um in the future well, the great thing about having no sponsors is that everybody you mentioned could be a future sponsor because <laughs> every bell remains unrung. I just wanted to be sponsored by an ice cream. Anyway, and, um, you know, and things like, you know, a really simple idea like, well, what would be the least I would have to do to, to get going and mm-hmm. to get going in a way that it would be possible to fail, for example? Gotcha. Because there's no gotcha. point in me spending every bit of money that I've ever saved into a venture mm-hmm. that lasts a year. Then I'm, well, you know. Screwed. Snookered, yeah. Okay, screwed is a that's that's a that's a stronger image than snookered. But yeah, hey, I am going to because of the intimacy of podcasting, people can decide which image they want to conjure right now. I also like that you 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 whipped to a sports metaphor. I just like the word snookered. <laughs> Do you know I don't what know. it even looks like or even no means? idea at all? I just I'm just imagining <laughs> you playing snooker. <laughs> it's like oh, he's snookered, and then that's just you in a waistcoat and so a dicky bow. You have no idea snooker. what it. You have you know what it means, of course, but you don't. I mean, want, yeah, you don't, yeah, but you don't know what don't, it looks like. No, no. In the same way that I know when somebody says, "Ah, oh, it's a home run," it's like, "Oh, that's good." But I, <laughs> I, I think I remember which sport it comes from, but I've got fuck all clear in terms of what it looks like. So yeah, things like that. Where so because there's no point. Really, seriously, there's no point. And I have thought about it. Going well, I could I'll find a location, mm-hmm. buy the stuff to. Have. I've been on websites to look at how much it costs to buy ovens, the kinds of ovens you're talking about. 
oh, mm-hmm. Mamma Mia. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you said Mamma Mia. Are you still thinking, is this an Italian uh, adventure or is this a UK adventure? Because... I don't really care at the moment, but probably, I mean, Italy would be fun. Uh, yeah, but yeah. And um, the only thing about Italians, they don't tend to like the kind of bread I make. So a little, it would be a little, you know, they tend to, bread that gets made there, not everywhere, but in smaller places, or they tend to go for pretty, um, it's pretty white. So I'd, I'd be a little bit like I'd be trying to um, indoctrinate. Hmm, not quite the right yeah. word, but... Uh, Bob and I are much more in the fantasy land. And this is... I think I, I am too, frankly. I've just... Yeah, but you've gone and looked at how much a, uh, an oven would cost. Yeah, so... but I think that's part of the fantasy, isn't it? I mean... I guess. Because well, mine, ours today was, we would be open for four hours. Oh, I see. And we wouldn't have a menu. We would have times. And between the hours of... And we'd open at 11 o'clock. The, between the hours of 11 and 12, we would serve one thing. 12 and one... T- you know, so there'd be four things during the course of the day, and these would rotate during the week. Um, so we wouldn't ever over-cater. And when something ran out, well, it's okay, because there's another hour coming up. Um, and so we, we, we're, we also were talking about there would be... 12 covers max in in our cafe six inside six outside have you done and have you worked out the money no we weren't even this is what i mean about it being a total fantasy we were thinking about the life oh, we weren't thinking we weren't thinking about the you know how do we make this happen but it's interesting about what are the impediments you know what what does it take because okay we're at a point where we are comfortably 15 years away from retirement who's we yeah? you and i I'm kind of giving us a, a ballpark where <laughs> giving me <laughs> well, you'd have to yes. carry on to what mid sixties early seventies yeah oh fifteen years sixty seven yeah yeah, there we go, so I'm sort of yeah, got assuming that, that I'm going to stop in my early sixties, but you, you know we, so, so we're roughly <laughs> a sentence that is not said to my face by anyone yeah, well, I can't see you so we're talking roughly speaking fifteen years between between now and retirement, so the pragmatism of what you would have to put in place in order to effectively survive that fifteen years, assuming that you have a pension that's good enough to see you beyond that point it's but, a big assumption, yeah. Uh, I think we're all in that boat, aren't we? Mm, yeah. So, you know... You've got houses in countries all over the world, though. I have to be honest, that does make me a lot less anxious about my future. And also, I'm an only child, so I know that I will inherit some kind of an estate, mm. which you're not. So that's a you know that's another thing that I guess... Yes, I'll be fighting over it with my three siblings. It'll, be, it'll go down to the wire. I think I've said on the podcast before that my mum has been preparing me for her death since yes. I was about nine. <laughs> and she's constantly saying, and where is the will? And then I have to tell her where the will is and all of that. And what's the name of my solicitor? So all of those sorts of things. When she gets into a really kind of a, a rut of needing to tell me the pragmatics of that, when it's done briefly, I kind of go, this is reassuring. I understand that my mum is making sure that everything is planned and thought through. So she doesn't. she's exercising her anxiety about untidy affairs but when she kind of gets into a um it's not a loop it's a rut where she can't kind of knock herself out of it and this is particularly when we're visiting it feels overwhelming like you're talking about my mother dying and i know it's you and i know it's okay from your perspective because you know i understand the pragmatics of it and i'm i'm okay with it up to a point and then sometimes i just have to does does that mean that you'll be responsible for adding her name to that um great spreadsheet in the sky after she's gone, after she's yeah, gone. Yeah, absolutely. Absol- I will, for, from that point on, I will always have to say... She's dead. And that will be the only way I'll be able to refer to her. 
which will bring me both deep joy and tremendous sorrow. Oh. Hey, can you tell me about corpse pose? Yeah, yeah. Shavasana. Shavasana. Shavasana, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, I heard something about it, but I want to hear what, what you understand it to be. Okay, so when I when I get to the end of class, um, and I'm yoga. This is yoga. Yeah, for yeah a yoga class. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm and I'm I've I put everybody into their shavasana, um, <laughs> because my, I like that because you put them into it. <laughs> well, it's because my teaching is so awful. They just want to die. a little bit in your face. <laughs> Can you just let me move my own body, please, sir? <laughs> no, I don't mean that. I physically put them into it. Yeah. Um, although there put... is actually that's interesting because in shavasana there there are there are adjustments oh. to help people that you can see who have not sort of released. But I'll talk about that separately. Um, Shavasana, I will always, you know, do that kind of thinking about coming at it biomechanically and encouraging them to, to notice the parts of the body that are, that are connecting to the floor. Uh, but and I'll do all of that bit and then remind them that this is the most difficult posture in yoga to, to actually achieve because it's something that you will only ever get right once in your life and you won't be there to enjoy it. So you say that... Yeah, because that sense of complete surrendering of the body is impossible, and you will get there, but you won't be there to enjoy it. Because that is that is what I heard. I'd never, of course, um, it never occurred to me about the difficulty of the corpse pose. <laughs> that what you are aiming for is something that only will happen once in your life. Yeah, and it does remind me, as you talked about, then is that that, that very basic idea that we tell the stories of our lives, except we cannot tell the stories of our births and our deaths. That we require yeah. other people to tell the stories of our births and our hmm. and our deaths. Hmm. So, are you? It's a bit of a uh, bit of a jump cut. Are, are mm-hmm. you afraid of dying? Hmm. Oh, that is. Ah, oh, that is. I, yes, of course I am. I am afraid of early death, which is ridiculous because I won't really know that it's happened. Um, unless I do know that it's happened in the sense that I, I am diagnosed, diagnosed with a terminal illness. And then, but then I suspect a different, I don't know. I, this is, oh, Jesus, Simon. Is there a number after which you'd think this is not an early death? No, there isn't. There isn't a number after which because I, I, I don't. Because I, your dad just turned 80. Normal. My dad just turned 80 and my dad still. He, we, this last summer where, when restrictions were lifted and we were able to leave the country, we were able to go over and see them. We were in a supermarket together and my dad said, oh, you want to just move your trolley lead? There's that little old fella who wants to get past you. Which he says quite loudly because most people around him aren't speaking English. So he feels there's a level of impunity. And I, I'm looking at this guy walking towards me who is like 58 if he's a day. And I have to say to my dad, what do you mean, little old fella? He went, that little old man there, that little old, that little old fella, he needs to get past you. I'm like, he's like 30 fucking years younger than you. What do you mean, little old fella? He was like, oh, shit, yeah. I keep forgetting that I'm old. We have that slightly fixed idea of our age, don't yeah. we? That yeah. I'm still a 35-year-old man. or a And I think, I think given that my dad regularly will sort of help little old men with jobs, that little old men that are 20 years his junior, it's like, oh, I couldn't leave him doing it by himself. It was a bit. It was a big job. It's like, you're ne- you're, at the time, I'd be saying, you're nearly 80. Are you mental? Why are you doing that? <laughs> it's like the other... Uh, thankfully, he stopped doing this, but up until he was 77, he was still scaling a three-storey building on ladders to paint the chimney. 
Yeah, that's pretty amazing, though, isn't it? It's pretty fucking ridiculous because he's he was seventy seven, and I had to I had to get really kind of quite exercised with because my mum was standing at the bottom of the ladder holding it, and then she commented on a like on a on a Skype chat. She's like, "I don't know what I'm going to do if he falls because I can't catch him." I, I, re- like, I, I read this morning that. Uh, the uh, you know Trump's wall uh, between. Did you read this? I read the same thing. That was so great that between between Texas and you know Mexico that are being scaled with using five dollar ladders, and there was a really beautiful little. I think it was someone on the on the American side, you know, sort of law enforcement saying, "Well, the thing about walls and ladders is that they go together. They're made for each other. They need each other. You know, like what do you say, like peas and carrots or something <laughs> like." That. I love that. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, yes, I'm scared of dying. I'm more scared of the people that I care about dying, if I'm honest. And now I just, I, 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 I'm batting that one back to you. Are you scared of dying? Oh, so you're more frightened of the people close to you dying before you. Yeah, and I don't mean they're my parents because I genuinely hope they die before me. Sure. Because I understand that they're older than me and that's the natural order of things and that's what we would want to happen and that's fine. I mean, Bob. I uh, Yes. Um, am I afraid? Well, I like living. Mm. I like being alive. I like its tensions, its pleasures, its its pains, its stresses, its beauties. It's you know, I, I, I yeah, I really I, I like it. So at this point in my life, I'd be disappointed <laughs> <laughs> if it were to end. I guess I'm thinking that we it's just we don't talk about it. And maybe we don't know how to talk about it. So can I just look for clarification? When you say we, do you mean you and I, or do you mean society at large? Well, I probably could go with both, but I was thinking more about humans. Certainly in our culture, whatever we call uh, whatever the uh, pronoun our means in this situation. Have you come across the idea of the death cafe? No, but I can't wait. I'm no expert at all at all. But I have a, a neighbour who is, who's an advocate of the Death Cafe. Effectively, they are getting togethers. Or, gettings oh, together. Get, gettings together. Thank you. I wasn't sure where the plural was. Gettings together. Um, where <laughs> Still people, doesn't sound right, but yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. The gatherings. There we go. The gatherings of people, usually with food and drink, like tea and cake, things that you would find in a cafe. And people talk about death. They're usually organised, I think, as sort of non-profit. So I think it's kind of there's something slightly organised about it. It's not just a group of people. And I, and again, I can't remember where it comes from, but I'm pretty sure there was a psychiatrist or a, a sociologist or a psychologist, something like that, who who put this up. And I don't remember what context it was in or any of those things, but I was talking to one of our neighbours, Sue, um, and it's usually, I think, even though it's called a death cafe, they're not in a specific place. So there, there might be like, you might have them at people's houses, but they're kind of like, um, I guess in that respect, they're a bit like the, the, the WI, the Women's Institute, which, you know, is a, a grouping, a gathering of people that isn't necessarily linked to a, a building. It will happen in whatever building is possible. And is it led by someone? Like, how um, does the conversation get going? You see, that's the bit I'm not sure about because I, I always thought to myself, oh, that sounds lovely, but it's, you know, it's something that I don't need to worry about. And I'm not sure 
what that says about their, I guess, cultural penetration. That I'm guessing that you probably need to have had some kind of interface with death or the threat of death or mm. the, the anxiety around it that brings so you, tell you to a story. need to be. Yeah, and I don't know if, if yeah, whether it's a yours or somebody else's. or I, I think I'm like you that, well, two things. One is that the thought of uh, Lil dying is, you know, as my closest companion. Um, is terrifying. But also, weirdly, the more likely thing is I will die before her. I'm a little bit older. Not so old, not so much older, but a little bit older than her. And um, and also men. Men tend to die earlier than women. Yeah. And uh, but I'm also weirdly anxious for her at that moment, which I think is weird. Yeah, I, I don't... I, it, it, to me, it's sort of underestimates her <laughs> if you understand what i mean yeah yeah i do understand what you mean but I, I think i also share the anxiety because when i go away for a couple of nights i make sure that bob has her dinner ready in the fridge and that breakfast is easily prepared and those things that i do when i'm here you know i i do have that anxiety like who's going to feed her <laughs> <laughs> who's going to look after her? who's going to do all those things that i i do and i take deep deep joy in doing which is ridiculous because she's cooked for me and she's a really good cook she just doesn't like doing it yeah you will so i know she like can it. feed herself yeah and i know that she can do that my also, anxiety is that, that really what great if she confectionery doesn't? shop down the road isn't there that's true yeah it's not like she's gonna get hungry yeah i mean i guess then the conversation becomes about fear doesn't it do you think it ought to change how we lead our lives like how today, what we do today, or do you think it's better just to keep it in the, not even in the background, just that it's out of sight, out of mind? I think if we were to live every day truly like it was our last day on earth, <laughs> society would crumble within a matter of weeks. <laughs> really? Well, because we would, we would, you know, we would stop doing things. We'd stop working. For- Exactly that. I was going to say we would stop doing things for other people, and I don't mean that in a self-serving way. But that's the that's taking the approach of <laughs> I was going to say taking it literally um, that this is my last day. That's what I think. What I mean about how else do you do you live as if every day is your last, except to take it literally? Well, or I guess you have to then sort of do a checks and balances of going. Well, I'm I'm <laughs> going to do as much as I can as if it was the last day, but I have to do these four emails first, or. I, <laughs> I have to make sure that this this feels like I drink everything out of the day, but I must remember that I've got to organise my taxes. You know, th- these are things that if it was your last day, you wouldn't give a shit about your taxes. Yeah, but we, you wouldn't give a shit about your emails. But we started with, um, you know, the fantasy of you guys having this amazing cafe. Uh, yes. Four hours a day. And you, yeah. you know, 90% invested in it and 10%, Bob, 10% invested in it. Yeah. So I guess I'm I'm wondering about, like, it sounds like you've gone immediately to the 90% version of this is my last day on earth. I don't know how else to, to imagine my last day on earth except the 90%. Would you want your last day on earth to have any emails in it? <laughs> Would you want your last day on earth to have a Zoom call? Ivan, <laughs> I'm just going to have to cut this one short. I, I'm sorry, I'm on mute. Uh, I just want to have to cut this one short because, well, it's my last day on the planet. <laughs> Were you going to space? No, no, I'm dying. I mean, maybe that's it's how. Got to we... be somewhere. Go on. 
No, you say there's got to be some way. Go on, you, you No, I was just thinking, I mean, there must be some, it's such a cliche. I just feel myself kind of just choking over the words, really. But there must be some way of accessing and being with the, the eventuality and not dismissing it as being something for when you're older or much older. There must be some way of it having value and purpose now. That it has some kind of yeah, oh, don't know, don't know if I agree with that. But <laughs> do you feel that you could access that level of plasticity? Did you say plasticity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't think of another word other than something which was like stretchy and bendy. But even if it were just a little bit, I mean, I guess this is a conversation that you know I'd probably say it's ended up a conversation where that's what we're doing. It takes it takes us back though to the cafe, doesn't it? It takes us back to what's the impediment that's stopping you open up that cafe that you think will give you joy, or is it that you don't really think that it will give you joy? It just gives you a different. Oh, it gives, the avenue. thought gives me uh, yeah, joy. Yeah, the thought gives you joy because you know that when you <laughs> actually get into the weeds of doing the thing that you are doing the mundanity of it takes over no well it's not that in the it's sense, not that okay, i, I don't think good. so because it's because uh, that's what i guess i was saying about the um you know how little would i need to do in order to find out that's mm. it's just because then i go or at least i can find out there's no point mm. in throwing myself into it utterly and completely quitting my job etc cetera, etc cetera. and then finding out six months down the track having run out of money and be, you know whatever um, okay, but let's play this out. I'm just not, what I'm not quite sure about here is the connection to death. Just because I'm happy to play it out, but are we are we saying that it's something about happiness that where I'm I'm living a false life now, and that that would be my that's my passion, which I'm not sure I even buy that idea of following passion or anything like that. But but yeah, that there's uh, something better I, for me. Okay, I think the idea that we live that, that how would you live as if you're as if as if every day was your last? Hmm. I don't think, yeah, obviously that question assumes that there is no tomorrow. Yeah. And so it does assume that you are going to live in more joy or at least in more, oh, fucking hell, I'm going to say authenticity. I hate myself for having said that. Well, I I imagine there are quite a few of our listeners who are uh, hating you equally. (laughs) (laughs) Send us an email, uh, info. (laughs) How much do you hate Lee? <laughs> you can just put a number on it. Just put a number in the subject line. Doesn't hey. you don't even need to know the upper limit. Just put a number. Oh, yeah. How do much do you too. hate Lee? Info at midlifing.net. I really am gonna be bothered if there's just lots of ninety nines. <laughs> but it could Admittedly. be ninety nine over a thousand. Still that's quite high. <laughs> I did <laughs> I did do a I did I, I did get a, a score. I got a score this week. Did you? Um yeah. So there's a piece by a performance company called Entrentrude. Um <laughs> you're gonna have to put that in the notes. Anyway, you'll put it in <laughs> and you'll tell them where where they're from. Um Thank you. But they, they had a piece called TM, which I think people will have missed by the time that they're listening to this. Yeah, they will have done. Um and it was a one to one performance done over Zoom or Zoom-like interface. And it uh, it starts, you go into a chat room and you meet some people that are real people like you. And then you are given a, an agent um, 
as in audience members, I think is what I mean when I say real people like you, because you're still given a real person, but they're, they're in a performance context. They're, in a, they're performing a role. And this agent then asks you questions. Basically, you're finding out if you can get in or out of this group called TM. Um, and you're given a, a series of, of yes-no questions that will result in you getting a mark. Zero, no, one... Is that right? Yeah, one is pure evil, 20 is pure good. So one's, one's, one's worse than 20 is good. One, one is, is worse than 20, yeah, yeah. And you've got to grade people on this system. So basically, uh, you know, you, I think one of the questions is, what, what do you think, what number should you, would you give a nurse? What number would you give a CEO? What number would you give a CEO of, a, of an oil company? So, you know, I'm loving the sound of, of this. Well, it was really interesting. And I found myself just saying 10 to everything. It's like, what would you give a nurse? Ten. What would you give a CEO? Ten. CEO of an oil company? Ten. I don't know any of these people. They have the capacity for great good and they have the capacity for great evil. So you didn't think of yourself as sitting on the fence there? I know that I have the capacity to do something vile. And I know I have the capacity to do something purely altruistic and kind. I have the capacity and I suspect, and we've talked about this, that we have done things that would... If we were to give ourselves a number of for an action that we have engaged in, mm, one, we two, might find three. us exactly that. Oh, there's a there's a, a sequence where I had to imagine killing the person I was talking to. I had to close my eyes and imagine killing them. And at the end, you're given your score. Um, and I hang on a score I, based on other people ranking you. Uh, 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 based on on how I answered the questions. And who decides that? The, the performers, not they, other they, audience members? The, the, no, not other audience members. I gave myself 10 because I gave everybody 10. and I You couldn't I, know yourself in, a same, no, in the same way? No, no, I actually can know myself, but I also know that I'm capable of two as much as I'm capable of 19. Yeah. And I, I came away with 18 as a, as a score given to me from the outside. The score was less interesting to me than the fact that one of the factors was that it took me 33 seconds... <sighs> really sorry what i'm really sorry this is um it made me cry when i was doing it and oh, it's making Lee. me cry again and over again um i'm so sorry i'm so don't sorry don't apologize it's beautiful um <laughs> the thing that re the thing that really caught me um was that and i just felt and it was um this performer said that um she's been killed many times today She's been killed with um, with staplers with uh, because you're supposed to kill them with something to hand. I happen to have a knife nearby, which perhaps says something about <laughs> about my life. But actually, it's it's next to the wood pile, and there's a reason that I have a knife near the wood pile. It's, it, it, uh, it makes sense in our front room. Or the, or the poker next to the wood fire. Well, I, the poker was the next furthest thing away, but the knife is nearer to me than the poker. Yeah. So I killed her with a knife, and it took me 33 seconds to imagine her dying. And the average was uh, nine seconds, oh. and and it was it was the it was imagining her it is. have exactly that imagining her imagining having to um, having to watch other people imagining her dying just horrified me um, and. Yeah, so I got a score that was... It was really interesting to get a score in the context of what we're talking about now, about how much you would hate people or how much you wouldn't hate people. But it was a really affecting piece, as I just evidenced by crying <laughs> while I remembered it. That's a high point. Wow, it's really... Uh, it's also... It's, I mean, I'm going to use the word edgy. Anytime, anytime the... Is it the spectre? 
the specter is that a ghost mm-hmm. of of violence and our capacity to produce and or act violently anytime that's so close is is brought to the surface is um connecting with a profoundly messy part of being human absolutely profoundly profoundly disturbing part of being human that idea of of the average being nine seconds for me it's not about how quickly somebody is prepared to because you've been told to imagine them dying so you know that's yeah you're following the, the you're following yeah you're following the rule of the game what i found fascinating was how divorced people were from how long it takes for a body's systems to shut down and how people in the imagining of that messiness clean it up. Because I was cutting her throat because mm. I had a knife. And I was thinking, well, this is, I know how long, I, <laughs> this is, I'm the son of a butcher. I've seen, I've seen animals exsanguinate. Yeah, that's and a I know long how long it takes. Time. And I know it takes a fuck sight longer than 33 seconds, but that was sort of as much as I could bear to imagine. And is that what affected you, the imagining, or was it? It was. It was the, the imagine. The imagining was, or deep, the lack of imagination, distressing. or a lack of the, ability to. I think, yeah, I think the dis- the my imagining had sort of already moved me into a place of 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 quite. Um, I was quite sensitized, but then the idea that if she was being killed by um, a mouse cable or a, a keyboard, or... yeah, I, I'm thinking that would take f- minutes. Because long, long you know time. those very little hats, be... oh. and yeah, and exactly that, and it's just the oh. the 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 viscerality and the violence and the really deeply. I mean, it was horrifying, but what what horrified me more in this entirely fictional landscape was how quickly people just went, "Yep, you're dead now." And do they always always is it always a woman performing? No, judging by the cast list, it, you know, it, it was um, it's a, a range of it's a range of genders. I just happened to have a um, a female performer, which you know, I I don't know because I didn't experience imagining killing a man. I don't know if that makes it easier or or worse or, or easier or harder. It, it just I don't think gender comes into it particularly here. Although I know gender based violence is a different narrative, and and that kind of I guess if I was hmm. If I was thinking about this as a as a theatre academic, I might talk about the, about gender based violence in relationship to how I read this piece and what the sure. ideology of the which blah, is blah, where blah, I was, blah. I guess. But I wasn't I wasn't being a theatre academic in that moment. I was thinking about this. Yeah, as you were playing a, your role a person. exactly. And you're not asked to make a decision why you decided this person this person's life needs to be ended. Isn't, it was that, a, it, isn't that amazing? The terror the terror of a situation constructed through through a zoom the imagination and mm. kind of the creative act of using these te- this technology that's being you know hoist, uh, foisted upon us i should say or hoisted and um uh yeah incredible and yet at the same time it being able to produce uh, those kinds of effects those kinds of yeah. feelings and sensations in 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 you well, it takes us right back to the intimacy that you talked about of being in people's ears I don't know whether the story is apocryphal, uh, and I don't know that where it's come from or whether it's true. <laughs> like all apocryphal stories. <laughs> Thank you. I knew you'd get there in the end. Um, 
that you know it, it only takes uh i can't remember what the number is because of course it's apocryphal but let's say yeah. it's seven minutes and uh for an audience member to start imagining having sex with you as a performance <laughs> oh <laughs> jesus i so wish you'd not said that i know and um, <laughs> i remember being told this just before going on stage i tried to perform a 30 minute solo <laughs> <laughs> and I, I remember this little moment where, I, and I forgot because I was, you know, trying to be reasonably in the in the in the perform in the act of performance. And um, I remember having a little moment where my mind flicked, as minds tend to do, flicked yeah. to this piece of information and having a little chuckle, a little chuckle <laughs> to myself. But it, you know, it just speaks to exactly that thing you're talking about, which is, and you know, it's a it's a very strong theme and in these conversations we'd be having, which is um, not knowing the minds of others.